Thank you. Let's go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 5 this morning. It's great to be with you. Gosh, uh, this morning I was thinking about uh, all the value that you, that we, have added to each other's life. Hasn't it made a difference uh, to have friends, to have relationship with the people in the body of Christ? It's added so much value to my life. We have been in a series uh, for the last few weeks uh, talking about relationships. Uh, One of the weeks we talked about learning to listen, how that adds value, of course, uh, to our relationships, just learning to listen to one another. Uh, We talked about resolving conflicts a couple of times uh, during our series. Pastor Ben talked about uh, love being a choice, that love is a lifetime commitment that you make. And how many have grown through different seasons in your life of learning to love uh, in relationships with one another? Uh, learning to love is such a challenging, a challenging thing. If it came natural, the Lord wouldn't have to command us to love one another. But it is a challenge. This morning, I want to talk a little bit about our hurt feelings. I want to talk a little bit about some of the hurts uh, from our past, so to speak. Uh, the title of the message is Finding Freedom from My Past. And uh, I feel like I need to balance this sermon out with a, a sermon about the joy of friendship and the joy of relationships. But uh, this morning, uh, I want to see if I can't, uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit, touch a hot point a hot point in uh, some of our lives. Um, How many know that hurt people hurt people? It's really true. Hurt people hurt people. And if, uh, well, we said when we started this series, uh, you know, if where there are people, there are going to be problems. And uh, so uh, all of us uh, have had uh, something to walk through in our lifetime. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 through 48, here's what Jesus said. He said, uh, you have heard uh, that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If, If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? are not even the tax collectors doing that. And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Could we read that last verse together? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly... Uh, We better start with prayer. Jesus, uh, this morning... (laughs) Uh, Lord, there's not a person in this room that can fully embrace that verse and not realize how impossible that is. Uh, Within ourselves, within our own strength, that is impossible. Unless we fall upon the rock and allow ourselves to be broken. Unless we fall upon the rock and allow ourselves to be broken, allow ourselves to be pieced together into the new person that we're becoming in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Lord, we need the help of the Holy Spirit 
And I pray, Lord, for healing today. I pray that you'd piece us together. Jesus, do a miracle today in our hearts and lives. I thank you for it in your wonderful name. Could we say amen together? Well, I don't know how many of you can uh, remember back when uh, terrorism was something new. You're going to have to go back about 30 years uh, to 1985. Some of you will remember an Associated Press reporter, Terry Anderson, uh, who was kidnapped by uh, Lebanese militants, uh, uh, Shiite, uh, how do you pronounce it, Hez... There you go. You got it better than me. That was in 1985. Uh, He was chained up in isolation for almost seven years. Uh, During that time, of course, he was tortured, uh, awakened in the middle of the night. There's all kinds of mind games that uh, oftentimes those who are uh, victims in this situation, those who are in prison, uh, there are mind games that... uh, the enemy, of course, plays. Uh, he was uh, tortured uh, mentally and physically. He went through sicknesses uh, without medical treatment. Finally, in uh, 1991, uh, he was released. Of course, newspaper reporters swarmed around him. They asked all kinds of questions like, what was it like to be locked up for seven years? Uh, <laughs> such a good question. Um, <laughs> what are you going to do with your future? Uh, Here's here's the one I remember. One reporter shouted out a question. Terry, can you forgive your captors? Now, Terry, uh, Terry Anderson was a Christian, and it was known. Uh, I don't know if you remember back in 1985, but we weren't quite in the same place morally as we are now, and there was actually some subtle holding ons to, I guess you'd call it, to some of the moorings of Christianity within our culture. And because of that, the fact that Terry Anderson was a professed Christian, that was literally an issue that was talked about worldwide. Terry Anderson, can you forgive your captors? Now, Think about being separated from your wife for seven long years. Or or by the way, um, think about being separated from your daughter who was just a a young child when uh, you left. Think think about that. Think about being tormented. Think about being woken up in the middle of the night and being beaten. Uh, It was a poignant moment when that man said, Terry, can you forgive your captors? It was like time stopped. At least it did for me as I was watching that interview on on television. I I was alive back then, 30 years ago. I was young, high school, but I can still remember. The reason why I remember it so well, I'm a pastor. I'm a believer. I'm, I'm somebody who has been born again. I realize the value of faith and I realize the value of Christianity in the world. And I realized that Terry Anderson was not the only one on trial at that moment. Christianity was on trial. That's really what the attack, those words. Can you forgive your captors? Christianity was on trial in front of the world. 
in that interview. <laughs> and uh, Terry Anderson very deliberately and compassionately said, yes, I can. He says, as a, as a Christian, I'm required to forgive, no, no matter how hard it might be. And then he said very softly, because God has forgiven me. Man, 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 man. Now, what's interesting, uh, there, there were other interviews after that, obviously. This was, this was uh, news like ISIS's news today. I mean, this was huge news. And uh, later, uh, in interviews, the world found out that while he was a prisoner, the one thing he was allowed as a prisoner was a Bible. <clears throat> so for seven years, he had a lot of time to pray. And he had a lot of time to read. He said, Matthew 5.44 became his life verse. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Uh, he said in the beginning, nothing could have been harder for him. He was so angry. What was happening to him was so unfair. He said the mindset of these people, he said, who can think this way? He said, I lost seven years with my wife. I lost seven years with my daughter. He said what was interesting, the longer it lasted, the more he learned about himself and the more he learned about the lack of love within his soul for other people. Amen. Have you discovered there is a lack of love in your soul for other people? Now, I know you try to be loving as long as they don't cut you off on the freeway. As long as they are somewhat gracious, you're the most loving person in the world. But when it comes to pain or crisis or conflict, have you ever discovered or seen the lack of love within your own soul? I was, I, I guess I, it was like I was at school. It was like Terry Anderson was teaching me a lesson. He said, I learned so much about the lack of love within my soul. You know what Jesus said? Jesus says, um, uh, he, he, by the way, the Bible says, he's the stone that the builders rejected. I don't know that Jesus suffered rejection. He is the stone. He is the rock upon which we build uh, our faith. Our faith is placed in him, not, not in a theology not in Christian teaching. Our, 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 our faith is in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the rock. And, and Jesus said, those who fall upon the rock will be broken. Those upon whom the rock falls will be crushed. You see, every person has to make a choice to fall on the rock and become broken. They have to realize the lack of love within their own soul. They have to see a lot, realize the lack of uh, compassion in their own soul, the lack of uh, self-control, the, the lack of caring, the, the lack of Christ-like character. And, and it, it's such a dangerous deception to live in America have nice things, be able to dress nice and walk into church and feel holy without recognizing how desperately un unholy we are. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the danger for us 
as American Christians is not recognize the desperation of our need or the desperate hour that we live in. We need to fall upon the rock and be broken. Could someone say amen? We all have a choice in life uh, to become bitter or to become broken. We all have a choice in our life to become bitter or become broken. We have to make a choice. Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? It's amazing to me. Terry Anderson, if you remember the story, he wanted to go back to the country that kidnapped him. He wanted to go back to the people who imprisoned him. He knew the risk, but he wanted to go back. He said the reason he wanted to go back is he wanted to learn to love the Lebanese people. He wanted to face all of the restrictions, the mental anguish. I think any of you know, if you go through a traumatic situation like he went through, there are, uh, call them what you want, shadows, ghosts, uh, emotional uh, reactions that you have in the middle of the night. There's these things that you just have to work through as a result of the trauma. He wanted to go back. He wanted to learn to love the Lebanese people. He wanted to be free from the mental restrictions and the emotional restrictions that captivity had placed on his life. And as he did, by the way, uh, our government did allow him to go back. He got to meet with Lebanese leaders, and he got to model Christianity to a Muslim world. It was was powerful. Jesus said, be perfect, therefore, uh, as your father, uh, your heavenly father is perfect. Now, we all go through difficulty, and, uh, and yet God has a plan. Aren't you thankful that he's in control? He has a plan. He has a purpose. Fall upon the rock. Allow him to uh, break you. Let me share some benefits of learning to love your enemies this morning. Number one, there's a physical benefit. (laughs) There's a physical benefit that we receive. Proverbs 14 verse 30 says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy (laughs) rots the bone. Sometimes... uh, we just get so angry or resentful or envious toward people who seems like everything goes right for them, and, uh, and yet everything's gone wrong for me. I've got to, uh, gotten to go to uh, Israel a couple of times, and uh, if you get a chance to go, I want to encourage you. It, it's a wonderful trip. You get, to, uh, you get to stand on the mountain where Elijah called down fire from heaven. I mean, is that cool or what? You, you get to go to the little spring where Gideon led his men. And remember, some brought the water to their mouth and some reached down and lapped like a dog. You get to go to those physical places. You get to ride in a boat on the Sea of, the Gal- of Galilee and just imagine what it was like for Peter to walk on water. It's a lot of fun. <clears throat> but uh, the, one of the things that I'll never forget uh, is the Holocaust Memorial in Israel. And uh, all I can say is that it is stunning. You you can't talk when you're in the the room. There's words, you can't find words. Uh, When when you watch the way uh, the Jewish people were treated uh, between the years of 1933 and 1945, six million Jews lost their lives. And... uh, I'll never forget, there's this, there, a variety of pictures, just some of them horrid. 
Um, of course, we know of uh, the places where there were furnaces and bodies were burned, people were gassed. Uh, there's this one picture, and it's, uh, it's winter time. Uh, not hard winter, but there's patches of snow on the ground, and people are lined up to enter into the gas chambers before they are burned. And um, there's this building where women are going in and this building where men are going in, and they are forced to strip naked and stand in the cold, literally for hours, psychologically, so that they will accept getting inside, so that they'll accept the gas, so that they'll... Anyway, uh, it's, it's just, how do you forgive something like that? There's one section, as you get toward the end, there's one section that describes some of the programs that were developed to rehabilitate victims and survivors of the Holocaust. And I've, I was reading it, and a particular woman, I didn't write down her name, who was in charge of this program to help victims of the Holocaust. Um, one thing she noticed that she said in her statements, she says, she said, those who had a forgiving attitude toward their enemies, uh, they were able to rebuild their lives despite their injuries. She said, those who remained bitter remained invalids. I thought that was interesting, uh, that people who remained bitter continued to suffer, uh, whereas those who were able to forgive begin to overcome their injuries. Our, our mind and our emotions affect our body more than we realize sometimes. Uh, many of you have heard this before, but anger and resentment uh, increase the risk of heart disease and cancer 30%. Uh, anger and resentment increase the risk of heart disease and cancer 30%. There is a physiological, a physical benefit of learning to love your enemies. Uh, there's a psychological benefit. A few years ago, uh, this is probably about 8 or 10, I I, wrote, I, I read this article, of course saved it, but a woman whose son was uh, killed by a drunk driver. Uh, he was charged with manslaughter and convicted, but he only received uh, probation. 36 months probation. And she was livid. How could my son's life only be worth 36 months of probation? She became so angry, so filled with rage and bitterness, she couldn't sleep at night. Of course, she was a Christian, by the way. She would go to church on Sunday morning, wouldn't hear a word <laughs> that was being sung, wouldn't hear a word of, of what the pastor said. Finally, uh, she had uh, an awakening, I guess you'd call it. She decided, I must forgive this man who killed my son. So she started the hard work of forgiveness. She got some counseling. She began to work through taking thoughts captive. Uh, you know, the Bible talks about us taking our thoughts captive through the obedience of Christ. And she started working through the process of, of taking her thoughts captive, dealing with her emotions. And uh, she finally came to a place where she started actually letting go and uh, once she did, and she was starting to trust God with her life, and she was beginning to be able to work through her pain, she decided, I would like to go visit the man who killed my son. 
course, it was with supervision and it was with help, but it was arranged, and she went to the man and found out that the man was suffering more than she had. I don't know what you would feel like if you accidentally killed someone with your car. Uh, It had resulted in a divorce for the man. He hadn't been able to deal with his anger. Sometimes when we're angry at ourselves for what we've done, that anger literally takes over our life. And um, his anger toward himself, call it self-hatred or whatever you want, had just literally taken over. He was all alone. And when she met him, her heart went out to him. She started visiting him, started sharing with him the love of God. Eventually, he began attending church with her. Uh, He got saved. Um, Ended up getting remarried to someone else. The woman that uh, he married became this woman's best friend. Part of the redemptive grace of God. There's physical, there's psychological, there's relational benefit. Number three, uh, Proverbs 17 verse 9 says, overlook an offense and bond a friendship. Fasten on to a slight. In other words, grab onto it and goodbye friend. <laughs> uh, we all know what it's like to, to be hurt. We all make mistakes. Sometimes we don't realize some of the things we do hurt other people. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. said, uh, love is the only power that can transform an enemy into a friend. Uh, I don't know how much you've read about the civil rights movement. Uh, It would be good to read some. Just, how would you like to, we can understand this as a white person, how would you like to be forced to drink from another drinking fountain because you were black? How would you like to not be able to go and sit in that restaurant because the white people were there? So you had to eat outside, behind the kitchen, or in the kitchen. How, how would you like to go into a motel and not be allowed to um, stay there because you were black? Or if you were allowed to stay there, this happened in sports a lot. If you were allowed to stay there, you had to stay in rooms that were in, under construction or being remodeled or weren't fit to stay. I mean, for Martin Luther King Jr. To, to say love is the only power that can transform an enemy to a friend, that was such a powerful declaration uh, in the days when uh, he was alive. Uh, Back in Indianapolis, there was a woman who was assaulted um, in her apartment by a, a burglar, a man. He broke in, shot her in the chest, sexually assaulted her, and then to finish her off and kill her, he put a pillow over her head and shot her in the head. <clears throat> what he didn't know is that when the pillow was over her head, her arm was like this, and the bullet went into her arm. It was uh, the bone... Uh, deflected the, uh, the, the bullet. It grazed her head, certainly knocked her out, but she revived and survived. Um, the woman was captured. Uh, she became a key witness, of course. She identified him. 
uh, testified against him. He was convicted. Uh, the time for sentencing came. And uh, when it was time to, uh, to pass sentence, the judge asked uh, the woman to express to the jury what the sentence should be. Uh, of course, he thought she would be filled with anger, filled with rage, and as a result, it would help him in getting a stiff penalty for the man. What he didn't know that, is that the man was a Christian. And uh, here's what she said. She said, I am not after vengeance. I am not after retribution. She said, that won't change anything that happened to me. Uh, she said, society does need to be protected from this man. He needs to be sent to prison. But I want to help this man while he's in prison get the counseling he needs, the help he needs. And here was her hope someday. She said, so that someday he can be free and never make this mistake again. Man, how do you do that? How do you do that? How do you do that? Now, the judge, first of all, I, I don't know how. how. How are you a judge in the day we live? How, how do you not become so cynical that you just give up? The judge was amazed uh, at what he saw. He'd seen a lot in his years on the bench. Uh, there was something about her kind spirit. Uh, I, I don't know the ultimate goal, uh, but I, I know that he, he about... I can't remember exactly what the article said, but the impression I'll give you was a few months later, he actually showed up in the same church that she was in. I, I don't know that he became a Christian, but it certainly had an impact on his life. In the book of Romans, it says, when our enemy is hungry, buy him lunch. When our enemy is thirsty, bring him a drink. That that's what points the world to Jesus Christ. Uh, the only explanation for that kind of love is, is Jesus. Uh, there are physical benefits. There are psychological benefits, certainly relational, spiritual, kingdom benefits. So the question I want to try to answer as we conclude here is how? How can I recover? How can I get free from my past? Now, I... I understand right now I don't know if you know this right now we are in spiritual battle because many people who have been hurt have have literally produced so many excuses within their soul that the enemy has placed an anchor there and they cannot get free. There is a bondage in our soul when it comes to forgiveness. We don't want to forgive because there's a certain amount of comfort that we receive from feeding on circumstances, being the victim, blaming the other person. How many know adrenaline is your friend? I hate to say it, but adrenaline is a great drug. It motivates us a lot in our life, and anger 
uses adrenaline. Uh, resentment uses adrenaline. And so as I'm talking right now, you think I'm just telling stories. I am not an actor. <laughs> That's obvious. I am a preacher. I am preaching the gospel and I'm declaring that there is an answer to deliver your soul. The question is, do you want to be free? And that is a question that only you can decide because oftentimes we want to be a victim. We want to stay in our bondage. We want to keep pointing the finger at that ungodly generation. And Jesus came to set the captives free. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Do not be entangled again, it says in the book of Galatians. Do not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Lord, don't allow us to spend another day, another week, another month, another year literally living in bondage to our past, past mistakes, past hurts, past fears of rejection. So many times, we literally, we're in a habit of going to church, and that's wonderful. We're in a habit of seeking God, especially during the hard times. But we never get free. And I want to encourage you this morning. Jesus came to set the captives free. And he wants to deliver your soul. He wants to put a smile on your face. He wants you to be able to open up again to the joy of relationship. He wants to give you the ability to receive love within your soul. He wants to give you the ability to give love away. Be ye perfect. Be ye perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, you and I know we can't do that, but if we fall upon the rock and are broken, we come to Jesus and are broken. If we come to Jesus and receive the person and power of the Holy Spirit, if we come to Jesus, we can be set free. Can we say amen together? So let me conclude this sermon with the peace process. How do we get free? Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says, uh, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Unfortunately, we can't control the way we act, but we can control the way we respond. And that's where freedom comes. Freedom comes when we respond by falling on the rock. Coming to the rock of Jesus Christ. How do we get free? Number one, step one. This is an acrostic, by the way. It's the peace process. P-E-A-C-E. Number one, pray. Pray. Now, I'm, I'm terrified to say that because you've heard it so many times and not done it. It's, it's like being anathematized. Oh, I pray. Yeah, pastor, I do pray. Do you? Do you really? The Bible says, this is not just a Sunday school answer. The Bible says, draw near to God and he 
will draw near to you. Draw near to God. And He will draw near to you. God can give you comfort. God can give you love. God can give you strength. God can give you peace. Our prayers are so shallow. They're so focused on our mountains rather than telling the mountains we face how great our God is. We need to spend time in the presence of God. We need to get alone with God. We need to seek God. We need to allow God to to reveal to us what we can't do. We need to stop blaming our enemies and be broken before God. Say, God, what is wrong with me that I can't love this person? What is wrong with me that I can't forgive this person? What's wrong with me that I'm so angry? What is wrong? Change me. Break me. Help me become wholly yours so that I can become holy in my life. Change me. That's what Christianity is. Don't think it's coming to church. Come to church. But Christianity is falling upon the rock. It's coming to Jesus Christ. It says in Proverbs 15, 28, God closely attends to the prayers of his faithful people. We need to become God chasers. We need to pursue God. We need to draw near to God and experience his presence in our life. Pray for yourself. Pray for those who mistreat you. It says in Luke 6, 28, Jesus said, pray for those who mistreat you. It's hard to stay angry when you're asking the Lord to bless your enemies. It's really hard to stay angry at your husband when you ask the Lord to bless him, encourage him, strengthen him, comfort him. It's It's so hard. We need to pray for ourselves. We need to pray for those who've hurt us. Number two, we need to empathize. Try to understand from their perspective. Try to understand what they're going through. Try to understand what they've been through. I've probably been hurt uh, maybe as many times as you. I don't know. But there have been different times when I've been hurt in my life where I've said, God, I don't understand, and I need to so that I can love this person and pray for this person. I I got a book once on um, uh, fetal alcohol syndrome. Uh, That wasn't the whole book, but that was one of the issues it talked about in the book because um, I I was hurt by someone whose father was an alcoholic, whose mother was a drug addict. I just needed to try to understand. I, I read one time about uh, detachment disorder. Uh, When a person uh, is raised by a mother or father who are uh, drug addicts and not cared for. Uh, Sometimes we don't realize that this small baby who's not being cared for by a mother or father spends 24, 48 hours in their dirty diaper in their crib or not being fed by a parent or cared for a parent because they're recovering from drugs or alcohol. How that affects the child psychologically and emotionally at a young age. They learn that they can't trust people. They can't get their needs from anyone else. So they try to get it uh, themselves. They, they literally shut off in needing anyone. And so they, 
they close off emotionally and and, uh, and and so then life for them is never really getting close. Now they'll pretend to be close, they'll smile, they'll do all the right things because they're very, very smart. But their goal is to always control and mis- and and to control and manipulate the circumstances so they can try to get what they need instead of give anything to you regarding what you need. It's a detachment disorder. And uh, I don't know what it means to you to empathize, but trying to learn. Trying to learn what other people are going through in their life. As I pray and seek God's presence, as I'm broken on the rock and then as I empathize with what other people are trying to recover from or are going through in their life, interceding and praying for God to work in their life, heal their life, bring comfort in their life. I'm not responsible for them. I I can't trust them necessarily, but I can empathize with them and I can pray for them. Number three, I got to take action, act. Got to act. There are concrete steps. Jesus said in Luke uh, 6, verse 27, do good to those who hate you. And verse 28, he said, bless those who curse you. And many times there's action. The woman whose son was killed by the drunk driver took action. Uh, Terry Anderson uh, went back to work with the Lebanese people. He, he took action. That might be a little extreme for me. I don't know. <laughs> but sometimes there are action steps that we need to take uh, to help uh, the other person. Number four, confess. Uh, confess your sins. Of course, uh, Proverbs 20, verse 9, who can say, I've cleansed my heart, I am pure and free from sin? And of course, no one can. But God can. God can do what's impossible, but we have to be willing to certainly confess and be broken before God. We, we pray, here it is, the peace uh, the peace process. We pray, we empathize, we take action, uh, we confess uh, our sin. And the last one, number five, is we emulate uh, or pattern yourself after Jesus Christ. Uh, Ephesians 5, verse 1 through 2 says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on out. And, uh, you know, uh, I don't think uh, we can find a better example of forgiveness than Jesus on the cross saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Uh, I I don't know if you're there this morning. I, I don't know whether you can come to that place. Maybe you can mentally say, I forgive them. But emotionally, have you let them go? Emotionally, have you let them go? Have you gotten free from your past? Jesus wants to set us free. And I really believe uh, there is a freedom that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to invite you to stand with me this morning. and uh, I want to invite you to turn your heart to Jesus this morning. He's the anchor. He's the rock. He's the one we need. Let's turn our hearts to him this morning. Let's cry out to him. Let's call upon him this morning. Let's ask him to fill us with the Holy Spirit today. To do what we can't do for ourselves. 
to change us, transform us into the image of his son.